What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this week's episode of Armchair Producers, the return of the Armchair Producers after much delay because of holidays and things. But I am back. My name is George Terran. Yes, I am aware that it is violently yellow and bright, but it is a work in progress. I'm getting help. <laughs> I am getting professional help. <laughs> but, I, I, I think you'll need it. I think anybody who's seen his haircut, you know. <laughs> it's... I, I don't know why it's gone so curly at the front as well. Like, I, I've bleached it before and it's never gone this kind My of... guest like, host this week is Dollar Store Justin Timberlake. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's gonna be me. <laughs> I mean, uh, which boy band are you joining and why? <laughs> Fuck you. That is, of course... The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Travis Croft, my anchor, the the serious to my insanity. Welcome, welcome back. We've got quite a show this week, haven't it's we? Back. We have only had, I think, one show maybe in the last couple of months due to various complications. Um, mm -hmm. uh, no, origin. Just Justin over there was in Vietnam for a couple of days. Um, I um, had a gig to go to. I had surgery, and now you're riding the Rona coaster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now it's 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 the is that well we're, I, I'd say we're not riding a roller coaster. We're riding a magical railroad. I said the Rona coaster, not the roller coaster. Ah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's real all of a sudden. Tom Hanks it has it near U.S. President Australian Prime Minister have it. Nah. Justin Timberlake over here, ladies and I, gentlemen. I um, it becomes all of a sudden it's a little close to home. <laughs> Ironically, I did have a friend. Um, who heard that I had COVID and just said, oh, I need to come and get it because <laughs> they they haven't gone for the vaccinations, but they need to travel. And so they want to get an exemption for having caught COVID. Do they realize that won't work? Um, well, it will, but it's also, you know, however it is. This, no, I, mean, is it like a, I don't know. Are people genuinely giving exemptions because you've had it before, even though yeah. you can get yeah. it again? You get a you get a three month window after if you if you've caught it and you're not vaccinated, there's a three month window. That said, if you're not vaccinated, do they have an exemption? Yes. For not getting the vax. Yes. But they want to get it anyway. Yeah, because they want to be able to travel. But never mind. Okay. This anyway, is... well, hopefully they're safe. It sounds like a bad idea. Um, but it is good to be back. A lot's going mm -hmm. on. Really is that Batman Two has been given a green light. We've seen today. It is Apparently not surprising at all. Not surprising considering it made all the money, despite the mm. fact it was kind of average. Um, and we also getting another Ghostbusters film. Exactly what the world doesn't need right now. Yeah. Well, at, at least you know. I mean, it it goes to show when the 2016 version came out there was no talk of sequels even you know quite often with these big blockbuster movies there's talk of sequels it being in development before the first one has even come out there wasn't any of that this has come out and it's been the the mere culpa for the ghostbusters universe shall we say and um yeah i don't think it's surprising it made a good amount of money it uh it put out a lot of fires shall we say um I'll be interested to see what it ha uh, see what happens next. I'm, I'm not remotely interested in it. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I don't I, need I, it. I just like I didn't really. I mean, you were. I, I think if you remember my view, um, the Jason Reitman one was passable. 
as opposed, as opposed to be utterly reprehensible 2016 just <laughs> abortion of a film. I mean, we were talking sequels about that, by the way, before they came out. They were, remember, it was going to be the Ghost Corpse. So it was going to be a whole cinematic universe right. based around the Ghost Bus. That's why they called it the Ghost Corpse. Yeah. Um, so they were going to make sequels. They just made these did so badly that that got, um, that got uh, shit canned. So, yeah. I mean, they're probably just picking up that idea that they were going to do with the the, the Paul Fike film and actually just to plug it into the Jason Reitman film. But it was pretty derivative and yeah. full of fan service. And, yeah, it wasn't good. did it fine. I mean, I'm not going to hold it against it as, you know, a pre-existing franchise. I guess you call it a franchise after when it has two or more movies now. That and the cartoon. And the cartoon. But, um, you know, they want to still be able to get money out of it. This is Sony, and they want to get money out of everything, and they do that. Um, so if they – this this was their um, Force Awakens. Yeah, no, I mean, they haven't got much to work with. I mean, uh, their Sony products are a bit hit and miss. I, I haven't seen Morbius. I'd like to. Just out of curiosity, but it apparently didn't do very well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, yeah, so I was a bit. Interested. I was not surprised I ever see the Batman get a sequel. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see the uh, the, the, uh, the Ghostbusters thing get a thing, but they get another film. But um, you're right. Uh, Sony don't have a lot of things to play with right now, and that's one of their yeah. more reliable toys. As long as they uh, don't stray too far from the formula, apparently. Exactly. Exactly. And um, you know, we'll. We'll see what happens next, I guess, because um, now that COVID is kind of in production company rearview mirrors, it seems we're getting a lot of a lot of projects being greenlit suddenly, and people are pushing as much as and as fast as they can. So they're going to be we're going to be inundated, I think. Well, it is interesting. I I don't think there's been a film come out since the Batman that made me go, "Oh, I need to see that." Um, so, uh, it's becoming, I like to go to the cinema a lot, but there's a lot less things that are making you want to go right now. Like, yeah. so you sit down looking and go, it's the same films that were there two weeks ago, you know, it's sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a couple, a couple of years ago when COVID first landed, it was going to thin out releases and it's almost like they're sort of becoming, it's almost, you know, these tentpole things here. The next one I'm probably going to go see is Dr. Strange, um, too. Mm. So, um, which has got a lot riding on it, frankly. Um, yes, it does. It's, uh, it's juggling a lot of balls. Um, but, you know, so far Marvel haven't really made a bad movie and there's... TV you know, shows, though. That's different. Um, we'll we're still a few things that... Uh, should, we, should we actually get on with the show rather than... Get on the show. Should we, should we start where we usually start and start, start. with a chain film? Yes, let's so check. You were super excited to get to watch this, and I know you must have been thinking about it the whole time you were on holidays in a beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, foreign country experiencing yeah. a, a wonderful different culture. You'd be like, I can't wait to get home and watch a Pam Anderson helmed superhero mm. film from the mid 90s. That's right, we are talking about Barbed Wire, mm-hmm. the 1996 Pamela Anderson blockbuster during, oh. the second, during the second American Civil War in 2017. Barbed mm-hmm. Wire owns a nightclub called The Hammerhead. Things mm. become complicated when her ex-lover, Axel Hood, who is married to the fugitive Karina Devonshire, re-enters her life. I believe this is based on a comic book. Was it a Dark it Horse? Uh, it's a Dark Horse comics, yes. Um, so that's sort of... Uh, do one of the big ones own them now? 
Uh, Dark Horse, no, they're still independent, I believe. They were the ones who did Spawn and stuff, right? Uh, no, Image Comics, I think, do Spawn. Because there's no. Marvel and DC are your two big, 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 yeah. you know, bastards. There's uh, Dark Horse Comics, there's Image Comics, um, and then you go into the, the smaller press ones that haven't had as much... Um, so Public some, time, some fellow uh, stuff that's come out of Dark Horse Comics, I think, would be The Mask, Sin mm -hmm. City, Hellboy, Mystery Man, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, 300, there you go. Um, so some good stuff has come mm -hmm. out of uh, Dark Horse Comics, and I was inspired to choose this as the chain film this week because um, of the miniseries that's running on, uh, is available on Disney Plus here in Australia, Tammy mm -hmm. and Tommy. Mm -hmm. uh, good miniseries, by the way. I recommend it. Um, and one of the angles in the show is that the studio had high hopes for this film to be one of their big releases of the summer. They put a lot of resources behind it, marketing, etc. And at least the TV show and Pamela and her character, Pamela Anderson in the TV show, sort of sold this as potentially being her real breakout role into into film, apart away from her, you know, uh, admitted huge stardom in television. Mm -hmm. um, and said, I sort of, I don't know if that's true, but I do believe this you put a lot of resources into it. Yes. Um, when you sit down and watch this, you go, who exactly at whatever studio it was, I don't remember, mm. thought this thing was going to break through and be a huge smash hit and introduce Pamela Anderson to the world as a big time movie star because mm. it's fucking terrible. Yes, it is. It's terrible. Yeah. It looks terrible. It looks cheap. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know what the budget on this thing was, but it was um maybe a nine million dollar budget in nineteen ninety six. It doesn't look like it. It looks like it had a quarter of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's shot in about four locations. There should have been could have been shot in one dock. <laughs> like two warehouses, a dock, and a row. That's like the entirety of the locations in this. Well, let's, let's be honest. If the world does go this way with a very um, third Reichian superpower and the last free city in um, in the world, it's obviously going to be some kind of dock area. Of course, it is. I, I don't. I think you're applying a little bit too much logic. <laughs> but, but yes, it might make sense to have a, a port facility if it was the last free um city in the world which is kind of it but you're going to get that kind of casablanca level ending man you, you you make an excellent point this is basically casablanca um uh done really badly and really stupidly and horrible acting mm -hmm. um i don't know if that's what the comic book was going for I imagine you have you ever had a look at the comics i have um this kind of sits somewhere between think judge dread and tank girl and you've got barbed wire in there where some of the stories are much grittier akin to the um judge dread kind of thing but some of them just do go really balls to the wall a la tank tank girl and you know we had that run of all three of these movies, they're three of the the big kind of what well, back in the nineties they were big stalwarts of that independent comic scene. They were the kind of names that 
some people knew they thought oh there's a potential here this is stuff that kind of got brought up because of the success of the first blade movie and that sort of stuff and even the 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 mild success of the dark man series by sam raimi this started that ball rolling for the superhero movies and instead of going for like at this time Marvel was in the fucking toilet. But if, if you read the story out there, it's out there. It's on the public record. Mm-hmm. That Marvel offered to sell their entire catalog to Sony for something like twenty million dollars or fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. whatever it was at Marvel was Sony. No, thank you. We'll only have Spider Man. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, in hindsight, would Sony have done it justice? Yeah. Who knows? Probably not. But mm-hmm. you think you're forgetting here is that Tanko and Barbara both predate Blade. Um, but exactly. yeah, so yeah. This, this probably would have been driven by the success of what the Batman films, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, but that it was it was that point where people were starting to get the idea of ah, oh, comic book adaptations could be the next big thing. It was that that little little nugget. It was post Christopher Reeve, post the Michael Keaton Batman. But there hadn't really been any other big success. No, uh, you said Dark Man had its. It was, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And I read the other day we're talking about doing another one of those. Yeah, apparently Liam Neeson would be keen to come back. Of course he would. Okay. Liam will work. Liam's the new Nicolas Cage. Has <laughs> <laughs> he got like an ex wife somewhere or something he owes money to? Because. Well- Honestly, I am looking forward to the new Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable. That is not good, yes. looks really good. So if we have a weird Liam Neeson version of that, (laughs) that would be kind of funny. (laughs) So so the plot here, in a little bit more detail, in the early 21st century, the USA is in the wake of a second civil war. The whole Mm. country is in a constant state of emergency. What was formerly the American Congress now rules the country with a fascistic methods. With fascist methods. There is only one free city left, Steel Harbor, a coastal California industry town, which is headquarters for the resistance. This is the home of Barb Wire, owner of the Hammerhead Nightclub. As times aren't good, Barb has a second job. She's a bounty hunter, and you probably wouldn't want her after you. Barb's credo is to never take sides for anybody. And that's the only way to survive these days in the crime-ridden streets of Steel Harbor. One evening, her lo- former lover, Axel Hood, appears at the club asking for a favor to help him and his lover, Cora D flee the country to Canada air. Barb suddenly finds herself to be a key player on a high political stage. Now she has to take sides. There's a possibility this could have actually worked. That's an interesting angle. And if you're going to rip something off, as I always say, rip off something good. Absolutely. Ripping off something good. Casablanca is a classic, you know, Mm -hmm. and putting that into a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah. Sort of sexy angles well in there. Mm -hmm. That violent that could work. This yeah. doesn't work. It's not, mm-hmm. like the real the, the, the word here is cheap. Now, yeah. Pamela Anderson, I don't. Did you ever watch Baywatch? Not that I recall. I remember it being a thing growing up, but I think it ended up. It was one of those many shows that aired whilst I was still traveling home from school, so I never got it. <laughs> Uh, it's like the most popular show in the world, but uh, apparently at one point, but I never watched it. I mean, I think I remember Sting and Vader were on it from WCW once and like Harley Race or something, and they it was like a, a midget with a bomb. Um, it's a thing. I am not, uh, is that I'm maybe getting things mixed up, but I am sure there are a couple of WCW wrestlers who are in it. I can believe um, that considering that there was a period where half of them, half of the w- WCW and WWE wrestlers looked just they were, they were 
just in fluoronitro, you know. Um, <laughs> But I think I wanted to watch that because we were desperately curious about WCW down in Australia. Us wrestling fans mm. we never got it here. Um, but anyway, but no, I never watched it either, so I never really had a, a, a an opinion on Pamela Anderson as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Side and... note: We have got Siren Divine in the chat right now, Hello, who Siren. is responsible for Thomas and the Magical Railroad. Uh, we'll a, l- later. a lot to answer for, Siren. Um, <laughs> so we were just talking, Siren, about WCW's ill-conceived um sidestep into um tv with um appearances in um baywatch uh and i highly recommend if you like wrestling 83 weeks mm-hmm. great podcast he talks mm-hmm. about it extensively um and i love the way he was like you say being completely indefensible at the garbage that they put out like this and they're like no no actually it was a really good idea at the time um but i, I don't remember watching pam anderson as an actor a whole lot in tv mm. but her range in this film is just the worst. It's like it goes from obnoxiously annoyed to mildly annoyed. That's it. Like she, like you, yeah. like oh no, your intensity is just her being looking really angry and annoyed the whole time and yelling at people in a really unconvincing way. I like the moments where um, it was sort of like situations where she needed to be dramatic, so the camera just turned to her, just going. Just that little head turn and mm, scowl. Scowl the scowl. And it's not a particularly good scowl. There's <laughs> some actors in here. Like, um, it's interesting to see um, Tamura Morrison mm-hmm. in here mm-hmm. as Axel, her boyfriend. Um, Axel Hood, was that his name? Um, and you're yeah. like, wow. So a mere, what, five years after this, he was in Star Wars again. You know, I don't, I don't think he was in the first one. I think he was in The Phantom Menace from Mary. Just in the second one, wasn't he? Clone Wars. Um, yeah. So five or six years after this, he I mean, it's a couple of years before this, he was in an Academy Award nominated film that once were Warriors. Yep. yep. And a few years yep. after this, he's in Star Wars. And now he's a star again because he was in Boba Fett, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, I guess everybody's got to slum at some time. But he was fucking, ugh. He was slumming it. And, of course, the wonderful Xander Berkeley. He shows up so much. He's probably the most common denominator in all of our movies. He's just everywhere. He is a rash on Hollywood. <laughs> I remember, I think I've talked about it before. It was a documentary. It's really hard to find now. I don't know where I saw it a few years ago called Aren't You That Guy? Uh, and he was in it. And it was all about guys in TV and movies who like played for one character and with a really familiar face mm-hmm. and had people come up to him in the street all the time and go, hey, aren't you that guy? And and so no one could like I tell people I reckon we go down the street and go, Do you know who Xander Berkeley is, the movie star? And they go, nah. You show people his picture, they'll be like, Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that's how it is. But you know, despite the <clears throat> talents of Tamura Morrison and Xander Berkeley, it does not elevate Barb Wire to any level of survivability. I think this is purely still in anyone's minds because it is much like um basic instinct one of those freeze frame videotape moment movies is like oh she's getting out of the hot tub or whatever and i can imagine the the uh, the, the the likelihood of seeing her naked would mm-hmm. have definitely got a few people on board um and, and you know in fairness there are, i mean just let's be fair here this is a film is basically leaning pretty heavy okay. on her sex appeal there are a couple of fairly sexy moments in here. So mm-hmm. the opening mm-hmm. sequence of her getting sprayed down with 
absolutely no bearing on the rest of the story or anything is never mentioned again in the film yeah. apparently it came from an idea from her herself that she had a dream about uh, being sprayed down with champagne while performing a nasty dance Ooh. um so look i'll pay that that's that's pretty pretty sexy stuff for the 90s and look i was i was what 18 when it's 17 18 when this came out i was 15 i remember we were so excited we got in to see sirens at the local cinema the um the El McPherson film uh, about artists and had Hugh Grant in it. Oh yeah. I mean it's a terrible movie, but don't worry. Yeah. We I mean like <laughs> we weren't there for the story. Let me tell you right now. Um, <laughs> so you know, teenage boys saw movies in the nineties, and you know we were, and this is potentially the demographic they were thinking of because everything else about this film is fucking terrible. Yeah. It's bad. Like I, 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 yeah, really, no redeeming characteristics. I mean, at all. Even, even in quite often in the low budget action movie things, it's like okay, they they spend their money on good quality stunts or explosions, but even even those are really bad. Compared to something like Mad Max, right? Made on yeah. the, uh, to quote one of our favorite catchphrases, made on the smell of an oily rag. Ding ding ding. 10 years, 15 years before this, it was made for nothing here in Melbourne by a guy who was a doctor who made films on the weekends with his mates. And the stunts looked a thousand times better than the stunts in this film. Yeah. I remember one stunt in this movie in particular, and it's like on the, the raid at the end when they're rushing to try and get to the plane. And there's just randomly one guy at the top of a, so like a high gangway and they shoot him. And it's just the slowest, most pathetic. <laughs> so bad <laughs> uh, like, it's, it's yeah it, like sometimes these films you can sort of go look at least it's kind of stupid fun mm. but i don't know that this really falls into that like yeah uh, it's actually just bad like yeah. um it's it's not it's not fun i mean the guy who made this got uh david hogan got made his name mainly doing music videos interestingly mm -hmm. he was the second unit director on batman forever the year before this so Talk about going from um, champagne to boiled lollies. Um, <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that saying? I think I've mixed up a couple of them there, but anyway, like going from <laughs> champagne from to boiled lollies, from sublime to the ridiculous. Here. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I will try and remember it's like from 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 chocolates to boiled lollies. Um, but it, it's an Australianism. <laughs> I think that's a Travisism. <laughs> oh, I, I may have made it a Travisism. Uh, that can, can go on a T-shirt. Um, but uh, it, it's basically you're going from, like, well, yeah, the height of Hollywood in the 90s to making this kind of garbage. True. true yeah, here true, we go. True. It's a from, from chocolates to boiled lollies. It refers to looking good but ultimately not doing so well. Okay. It's a thing. There we go. I learned something. So champagne. It's chocolates. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you may want to go from champagne to boiled lollies. I don't know. I'm not judging. I don't drink champagne. Um, <laughs> but he, he made a lot of music videos. And he never mm. made another feature film after this. I am absolutely not surprised, considering if they if the the stories behind it are true, this was quite a a star vehicle, which was popular at the time. I mean, you think of all of the Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis movies. They were those star-powered vehicles. And even the Tom Cruise stuff, this 
Pamela Anderson was the hot name. Everyone knew the name. Half the young generation of males at the time had tried to do their best to see her naked. And this was a movie that was going to show it, show her in sexy leather and everything. That was on paper. It should have been guaranteed gold. But it done fucked up. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just watching recently, don't ask why, but I was watching the 1995 Royal Rumble to go back to professional wrestling again. Okay. And she was at it. She was there. She was at the Royal Rumble. She was the okay. winner got to take her on a date. Oh, God. This must, that was what, during the, like the Sable time? And uh, um, well, I reckon it was before that. I reckon it was 95. 95. Uh, yeah. Um, so. I mean, it just predated Sable. It was the days of Sunny, if you remember Sunny. Those oh, who, shit, yeah. Um, those who are old enough to remember professional wrestling from the mid 90s, mm-hmm. things haven't gone well for Sunny since her wrestling career. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you, you've been arrested multiple times this year. Um, interesting yeah, as a story, no, no, no. David Hogan was under pressure to include more nudity. Um, so that goes to tell you a fair bit about, mm-hmm. um, about the. Um, about the quality of production, yeah. I um, I think I owe you an apology. This one, I was thinking, I was hoping it was going to be fun. Mm. It was really, it was the longest hour thirty-eight of since probably <laughs> Death Machine. Ooh, that's yeah, that's that's pretty rough. You didn't have to watch the pirate movie, so um, that's that's a fair, fair, fair thing to. to oh, I don't worry. Yeah, Miss uh, Siren, uh, Siren Divine got uh, revenge for you, an uh, alternate method. So um, we'll get onto that next, maybe. Um, yes, but before we do that, I take the reins again, and I have got a genuine video classic that we are going to go to. We, my friend, are going to go to Idle Hands, care of Jack Noseworthy. I don't know. Who's he? Is he an actor? Uh, Jack Noseworthy played the blind brother of Bob Wire. Oh, okay, yes. And here we go to um, the 90... Uh, no, I think it was early 2000s? 99. Uh, 99. Um, a comedy um, with... Uh, fuck, I've forgotten his name now. Seth um, Green. Seth, yeah, Seth Green's in it. Devin Sauer. David, uh, yes, uh, Devin Sawar, uh, Jessica Alba, Elvika Fox, Mika, uh, yep, Avika Fox, and Jack Noseworthy, um, and it is a great comedy about a young stoner boy whose hand gets possessed by God uh, by the devil <laughs> and starts killing people. <laughs> I have never seen this film. It's really funny, and it's also got a cameo by the one and only The Offspring. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. This um, is this is late nineties in a bottle, my friend. This is you can smell it. It's delightful. Well, it involves Devin Sauer and uh, and uh, Seth Green. I think that's uh, that probably tells us everything we need to know. Right. There. <laughs> well, I can guarantee that it is more entertaining than barbed wire. <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that that's a terribly high bar to clear. Um, that's that's not the point. It's. No, no, it's not. You, 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 I, what I think, I think you've earned the right to, to, to go somewhere a little bit interesting. And like I said, I've never seen it, so it's a plus. Yeah. So um, there you go. There's a good reason for for going into it. Fantastic. So that's Idle Hands next week. Available um, to stream around the place, according to Just Watch. So yes, shouldn't be too hard to find. Unlike mm. uh, Barbed Wire. Um, yeah. Should Which we I have to t- actually spend money on? 
yes yes should we should we just like take a moment here um and just really get into our fan request Mm -hmm. yep yep the the siren divine has a cruel streak ladies and gentlemen she recommended to me and to suggest it to the podcast. And so we did it as you can torture us as well. The <clears throat> movie. Is it, can we call it a movie? <laughs> uh, I, I think it, cl- I think it counts as a feature. You know, um, um, the, a torture device. <laughs> that is. I mean, I believe, I mean, they, this is what they use. This is the shit they use in Guantanamo Bay right here. I believe so, and um, this came out just one year after Barbed Wire. So, um, you know, maybe it's Barbed Wire's fault and they needed to do the salty to counteract the sweet. But, um, yeah, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, 2000 movie starring Alec Baldwin. This is actually four years after um, Barbed Wire, by the way, and one year before 9-11. One year before 9-11. Coincidence? I don't think so. It was an inside job, and Thomas was around. Thomas was around. Thomas was responsible. He knew what was going on. You can see it in his fucking eyes. Um, I um, I I empathised with Thomas in this whole movie because he constantly has this look of what the fuck is going on? Am I on an acid trip? And that's how I felt. Acid would have made this potentially more fun, but you know, yeah. even then it could have been a stretch. Um, yeah. So yes. not only has it got the um, the the talents of Alec Baldwin, but it has the legend Peter Fonda in it too. In the the most, <laughs> none of the roles are useful. <laughs> I <don't... laughs> um, it's oof, this film. Um, Thomas the Tank Engine's feature film debut follows Thomas and Mr. Conductor Alec Baldwin as they cross between the real world and the fictional island of Sodor in an attempt to recover lost gold dust. And there is a an evil train in this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was- I want to actually also put through this like, how would someone like Alec Baldwin get involved in this? Well, a good question. He actually narrated the US version of season five and six of Thomas Thomas the Tank Engine. So there's connection there. He has a, a love and affinity for Thomas the Tank Engine. So curious, curious little point. Why couldn't he shoot somebody involved in this film? I mean, you know, it does all of that. <laughs> Too soon? Um <laughs> Uh, maybe with writers, like I mean, I was like, okay, look, this is gonna, this is gonna suck. Like, I mean, after the first five minutes, this is quite obviously going to be pure, pure, uh, a, a purely an awful, awful experience. And then at uh, twenty minutes in, the singing starts. Yeah, that was entirely unexpected, Siren. You did not mention that element to me at all. You are, you will pay. You will. I, I mean. I think this has been a useful exercise. I mean, if nothing else, yes. from here, we will still take for you, as, as George, mm-hmm. uh, as Justin over there, kindly pointed out to you, that we will take fan requests. If you want to torture us with something and hear mm-hmm. our review of your 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 film, we will do it. We're happy to do it. But we need a story. Like, <laughs> no, 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 
tell the story in the film. Um, that would be helpful, but you know, like I mean, obviously the fact that we watch this shit <laughs> tells you and barbed wire tells you we're not overly picky about story. Um, <laughs> but what we do require is your story. Why do you think we want mm-hmm. what are you why are you interested in hearing about it? Like go mm-hmm. and like okay, it's a piece mm-hmm. of shit, right? I, I feel really funny, but like tell us why you love it. Like what mm-hmm. is it about this film that you're interested in? So let me let me try and the reason why I am offered it up care of Siren is the way that she she pitched it to me was how dark and twisted the Thomas Tank Engine universe is. Prime example is um, the uh, there was an episode or something like that. I'm probably going to get this wrong, Siren. So tough luck. one of the the engines gets scared of a thunderstorm and so hides in a tunnel and the um, back controller is trying to get him out and won't come out. So he just bricks it up. Like, okay. You just brick someone into a fucking wall. That's terrifying. I don't know if you call it a sentient train engine someone, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, this is a bad world they are, Travis. That said though, that said, I am 110% on board with a Bloomhouse reboot of this. Like, I would be all over that. That would be the <laughs> shit, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be worth seeing. This is, this is saccharine garbage uh, right here. As opposed Obviously. to Sydney, which I was in Sydney in the weekend. It smells like salty garbage, but this is saccharine garbage. Um, James is alive and breathing in that tunnel. And he's just waiting. This is this is the this is the genesis of the Bloom House production. He <laughs> waits. James doesn't. All he does is wait his chance to have revenge. So we've got we've got the title. James returns. That's all it is. Just eponymous and just we, the the teaser trailer for it is just that brick wall just kind of slowly coming down. And, and maybe a couple of it, just the eyes coming yeah. through. These but, like bloodshot eyes, he's kind of become rabid. <laughs> there is a video game coming out about a, a killer train, I think. I've seen some shorts of it this year. Um, okay. it looks pretty good. Um, look at vampire killer train. I kind um, of feel like if you have the problem of a killer train, your problems aren't too bad because it's like, oh, well, there's a track there, so I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, it's a, it's a survival game called Choo Choo Charles. <laughs> No, uh, it's the show it, is off the rails. It's legit, like it's a thing. Uh, Choo Choo Charles is um from Two Star Games. Navigate an island in an old train, upgraded over time, and use it to fight an evil spider train named Charles who terrorizes your home. Charles is hungry. Don't be his next meal. Um, so uh, I'm it's apparently coming out on on Windows. Maybe uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> But it looks sick. You can see the trailer on YouTube now. It's on Steam. You can pre, you can um, you can put it on your wish list. Uh, what's that called? Choo choo, choo choo Charles. Um, choo Charles. Siren says, unless you actually watch the next episode straight after, you were left as a kid thinking you'll never see him again. You had a very vivid imagination. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's I, I do. And in fairness to, to Siren. We mm-hmm. did on the last show actually yeah, velocity points on fuel. Ah, sorry. <laughs> um, we did ask for her rationale. Yep. Um, as to why she liked this film and why she was interested in seeing it. Now, you have to correct us here. 
um, Saren, if you um, mm. I, I, it was a while ago, but I think he used to like this film as a young person, and I, I think that <laughs> might be your get out of jail free card right now. If you just tell me you haven't seen it since you were prepubescent, then you know I, I might forgive the fact that you haven't realised that this film is hot garbage. <laughs> Um, I just put the link to the trailer for Choo Choo Charlie in the chat as well, ladies and gentlemen. So go and check that out. Um, but I think this is wow. This was hard work. Yeah, this was. Hard. I still don't think it's the worst movie that I have watched. Definitely, I would rather watch this than try and watch all of Chicago. Um, I like Chicago, right? I mean, it was this song was good. I haven't seen Cats. But then again, you did watch the pirate movie. And the real question is, better, worse? Better than pirate movie. Wow, there you go. Hot take yeah. straight from the horse's mouth over there from there. Um, <laughs> okay, so, she watched it a few months ago. This. Then I am sorry. I, I can't defend you. <sighs> I can't defend your choice here. We, um, we, are go- we are going to need a cleansing, I think. A cleansing. Thing. Um, so, look, <laughs> we did it. We, we delivered as per as per what we said in the box. We would yes we would watch this garbage. So if you have a recommendation, put it in the chat. Find us on the Facebook. You mm-hmm. can find George on Twitter at the Fried Brain. Yes. I'm at Evil Trav on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't been banned yet by Elon. Not um, yet. Give it time. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, reach out. You can find us in a bunch of different places and tell us what your request is, and we will watch it. Um, yes. But as I said, but you right have now, to give a reason. Give us a reason. Tell us. Give us a. Give us a story, like a a paragraph about what you enjoyed about this and why mm-hmm. you think it's going to be interesting for us. Even if it's like, haha, you're going to hate this, but this is why I love this. Yeah. Look, watching Eric Bolden in the kids' movie is just hilarious. Heck, you can even make it a drinking game. See, now I was thinking the same thing. Then he started singing, and my patience wore extraordinarily thin. I'll um, tell you something, though. I was surprised to see the young actress who played Madeline, uh, Mara Wilson, in something mm. that wasn't just that, because I have never seen her in anything else. Apparently, she's just outfire. And Matilda. That is her. That's Ma- not Madeline Matilda. That's what I was thinking. And yes. Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, uh, and I she's also. never watched Miracle on 34th Street. Mm, the original? Not even the original. Not even the original. No. Christmas is dead to me. I've worked retail for too long. Yeah, I know. But when I was a kid, though? Not that I remember. Damn. Um, yeah. that's for, a... for me, the Christmas, the, the only uh, Christmas movies that you can watch. Die Hard, and then there's Muppets Christmas Carol. Fair. Um, yeah. I always enjoyed Santa Claus the movie with um, Martin Short, I think it was. Um, oh, yeah. Martin Short was bleak with uh, John Lithgow was BZ. Uh, or or Scrooged. <laughs> uh, with, um, with, um, uh, oh, Bill yeah, Murray. Bill Murray. Yes, yes. Um, who's unfortunately sound like he might be about to be me too. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, there's also the wonderful Bobcat Goldthwait in that too. Um, yes, well, there's Dudley Moore was the actor I was thinking of, not Martin Short. Dudley uh, Moore yes, was in Santa Claus the movie. Um, I don't think many people got that. I I remember digging it. Um, 
Anyway, uh, I think that's enough said about this giant smelly turd of a film. I'm sorry <laughs> you enjoy it, uh, Siren. You, you, <laughs> I'm you, glad that you enjoy it, Siren. I'm just sorry that I had to watch it. <laughs> I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> now, shall we um, do a quick catch up with Moon Knight as well? Let's. Ooh, you have wait, questions, Siren. You have questions. Um, what are your Fred questions? Claus. So we have Fred Claus is the best for us. Well, I have not seen Fred Claus. That's the one with um, Vince Vaughn, isn't it? Wait, what? Which one's Fred Claus? It's the one with Vince Vaughn is Santa Claus's brother. It's got yeah, Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti in it. Ah, yeah, I haven't watched that one because no. it's a modern Christmas movie and therefore probably bad. But Shelley, tell us what 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 uh you know. Why? <laughs> yes, um, I would go with Bad Santa. Bad Santa's funny. Um, the first oh, yeah. one. Yeah, um, okay. But anyway, um, maybe it's just it could be Vince Vaughn at the height of his powers. I'm not sure. Maybe, um, maybe. Paul Giamatti. Um, mm. Good actor. Yeah. Uh, but Siren, you have questions? You want to get in with those um, before we move on to Moon Knight? I am. I should note I am up to episode three of Moon Knight. So. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember what what episodes have have launched now. I think we might be up to five or six now. Yeah, I think I think we're up to five. Um, I've watched four. I haven't watched five yet because we're doing the show because that is more important than watching Marvel TV. Frankly, <laughs> family drama. Fred is jealous of his brother Santa, but the real real Santa is unhappy. So it's the darkness at the heart of Christmas. I love it. Okay. Um, Okay, so Siren's first question is, what did you think of Lady? She was the first new engine introduced in a long time. It was a big deal at the time. Well, I don't think that this movie passes the, the Bechtel test. Is that is that what it's called? It is. But, yeah, because there's, there's heavy, heavy dick action, and everyone's talking about the size of their engine. It's, it's disappointing. This is not, this is not a pro-female movie. It's it's disappointing, and Lady is just a token. She's not given any background, any story development. She's just there, and then she's helpless. When she the, um, the, really the Smurfette of the Thomas the Tank Engine universe, really. True, true. But I think Smurfette kind of gets more more screen time. I haven't and, seen any of the Smurf films, so I couldn't tell you. Let's, but, let's um, be honest, they're not willing to show Lady in this movie until she's had a lot of work done. Uh, the... Take that, patriarchy. Um, <laughs> it's just another smackdown. Um, okay, her I, next question was, what is your favourite favorite part? part? My favourite part was the end. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Hitting uh, that exit button? Oh. I, I, did, I did actually momentarily enjoy the voiceover right at the very beginning of Alec Baldwin because he sounds so hopeful and so welcoming and accommodating. It's like, okay... And then you realize that he's the Pied Piper leading you off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, this, this, is, this is a good question. What was your reaction to Diesel 10's end? I thought that they were just going to drop him right in the drink and just let him drown. <laughs> I would have been so happy about that. <laughs> But I like to try gold dust. I don't know, man. I've not been a big fan of Dustin Rhodes for a long time. So, <laughs> yes, that's a wrestling oh, reference. There's another wrestling reference. It's, 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 it's all the, happening it's, tonight. 
codependent uh, wrestling show. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, I it's Vigo. Uh, at least mm-hmm. you, you you intelligently interrogated us about the film. Yes, but, um, I, I think you know <laughs> we got to leave it there. Yes, um, enough conversation about that trash. Moon Knight. Uh, how familiar are you with the source material? I know nothing about this. Like I said at the very beginning, um, there was like there was an article or something that I read, and it was like when Moon Knight. Uh, got reinvented in the early 2000s or the mid 2000s maybe and there was something about him just being a gay version of batman for the marvel universe i was like okay don't know anything about it i don't read marvel so i just left it and then this is definitely not a gay batman so i don't know where that is the character actually gay in the comic books i have no clue i've never read moon knight so i do not know uh, okay, well, I've heard people say it's the, the Marvel Batman um, a few places, mm-hmm. and having watched three episodes now of the series, mm. don't really see the connection there mm. or a similarity to Batman, other than the fact that he runs around in a suit. Um, mm-hmm. One's, you know, a, a rich guy with technology and, you know, super trained or whatever you want to call it, but one of the world's greatest detective. This guy mm-hmm. is like a God's avatar. Yep. I don't see it. Um, I don't see it. But anyway. Um. Yeah. Now I'm so for for those who don't know, let's just let's do this right. Um, Stephen Grant, played by Oscar Isaacs, discovers he's been granted the powers of an Egyptian moon god, but he soon finds out that these newfound powers can be both blessing and a curse to his troubled life. That's a very, very, very basic way of breaking this show down because Stephen um, uh, suffers from disassociative identity order uh, disorder, and that plays into it. Um, should we talk, talk talk a bit about the first episode because I thought that really hit home really well. And yes, I really liked the first episode, and I was yeah. really pleased with it. I was actually like, "Oh, this is yeah. good." Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Oscar Isaac um, here playing. Is he actually English? I think he might be English. I don't know. I think he he made a joke actually about um, he's Guatemalan, um, but he made a joke about he depending on how he has his hair and what way he cuts his beard, he can be anything that the, that the casting director needs. He was raised in the, in the United States at least, so he's a hmm. yank. Um, he does the pom pretty well. He does the English accent quite well. Yes. And he plays the sort of... word plonker, which is very good. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a fan of the word plonker. Um, <laughs> he plays a sort of cowed, anxious, you know, uh, cowering character of, um, of of Mark. Is it Mark or is it Steve? Stephen. Um, yes. Quite well um, in the first episode as a sort of nerdy, lowly um, apparatchik at the one of the British museums, the Museum of Natural History, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> it was in the it, it's shop. the Natural History Museum. I've been there. I should know. <laughs> um, and he's having these very confusing episodes where he's waking up in a different place mm-hmm. with no memory of how he got there, you know, sometimes covered in blood and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, holding things he didn't doesn't know what they are or how we got them. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet, I think, the standout of his show in the first episode, 
is Ethan Hawke as Arthur Harrow, who Ethan seems Hawke to be always brings it at the head of some sort of bizarre cult. Mm-hmm. Um, as we find out later, he is also kind of representing a god. I don't know if he's the god's avatar per se, um, but he um, weighs people's, you know, whether they get they are good or bad, and if they are bad, he will see to it that they are. And, and the, crux, the crux of that one, the difference, because there, there's similarities between Moon Knight and um, what Arthur Arthur Harrow does. Um, Moon Knight kind of is vengeance after the fact, judgment, whereas Arthur Harrow he judges your entire life from beginning to very end before you and you could end up becoming very horrible and therefore you are judged as bad before you've even done them. It is pre-crime from uh, Minority Report. So it's an interesting um, uh, in- interesting adventure into morality and predestination, I guess. And that seems like you're setting up a really interesting angle between these two. So hmm. we learn that um, when Stephen... We learn in this episode of the next one, I can't really remember now, but hmm. when when St- Stephen is blacking out, losing time, he the body is being occupied... His body is being occupied by a character named Mark Spector, who is an American... Mm-hmm. who goes around who's an assassin of some kind we see like special forces or something it's not real clear about it, but he's yeah. you know he knows how to handle himself he's a jason bourne-esque yeah. character um and he's acting as the i mentioned it a couple of times the avatar for the egyptian god conchu so in mm. other words he does conchu's as you sort of mentioned conchu uh judges somebody as being wicked or evil or deserving of punishment Mark is the person who delivers that punishment. Mm. Um, and it's sort of, you know, sort of almost seen as almost the Faustian pact he has mm. with Conchu to deliver this justice until he's freed of his obligation or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, and, yeah, um, F. Maria Abraham voices Conchu. I'm not sure if we see him in this episode or not, but um, I thought that mm, voice sounded familiar. Not the first it? episode, but, yeah, it's... I, I love F. F. Murray Abraham. I think he's done mm. some great stuff, and he knows how to how to play a character well. the The MCU is getting really big and really broad, and because of uh, the Eternals, which are kind of demigods, and then you've got the Celestials, which are essentially gods, and now we've got a show that going into the like episodes two and three, you really do suddenly realize, oh, there is a legitimate pantheon of god gods. So how do they stack up power-wise to everyone and everything? Yeah, is, is, there, a, is there, like, Thor and Loki? Do mm. they get in that action? Do they mm. – it's like a god conference every couple <laughs> of years. They, they get together in a club med in, in, you know, Cancun or something and just drink margaritas and have a, you know, talk about the, the priorities over the next – Well, no, the, the, what, the, what they, they simply do is they're like, okay, so how many followers have you got this year? Uh, how many have you lost? Oh, that's – that's tough. Why did you? Why did you get aligned with the uh, with the good boys? Oh no! Have you considered getting? Have you considered buying a social media network? That worked for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the I guess that and then the second episode. So I think the second episode is where we we see mm. the uh, the suit, if we will. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, it's, second episode is called "Summon the Suit," and this is where we see the the, the famous. If you're a fan. Moon Knight suit um, make its debut, and for me, it was a massive step back. This episode two and three have been massive steps backwards for me. 
mm. over the first episode. I had was really excited about the first episode. Mm. Me too. I watched the third episode last night and I really struggled to get through it. Mm. So without going into any spoilers, episode four brought it back quite a lot for me. Um, and I'll be watching episode five after the show. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Whilst it didn't just dive off a cliff, it just lost a lot of the agency, the in Stephen's mind aspect of it. It was great how they represented the um, the disassociated personality disorder of just sort of like flashing through and then him just coming back and not having any explanation. It really made you feel like you were inhabiting the role of Stephen, so well and then as they introduced mark it was suddenly it's like all right now you're just watching everyone play out and it, it, we're not interested in getting you in that feel and it lost a lot for that um maybe it would work better as a born-esque style film like where you know steven wakes up somewhere he doesn't know and he's got to figure out yeah who he is and you know lead to it that way that might have been more, i mean like i said i was very surprised at how dull mm. I mean, they've both got very high ratings on IMDb, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an 8.1 and a 7.8. So I, I'm, again, obviously in the minority here, but mm-hmm. I'm finding the character the character deeply uninteresting. Um, Which I, is a shame because I love Oscar Isaacs, and I think he is so interesting and compelling and really showing quality acting work when he, whenever he is um, portraying Stephen. As soon as he goes into the Mark thing, it's all like, okay, I don't care. I, I agree, and and every time Ethan Hawke's on screen doing something, my interest level just peaks because yep. he's so good in this. Absolutely right. So he looks really a little weird, but, but it that's... fits with that kind Character. of ickiness. Yeah, and he he it's, it's it's he's criminally underused in Hollywood these days. Um, he's such a great actor, but I mean the the fight scenes are dull. Mm. Um, maybe Disney Plus should have gone a little harder on this one. Like you know, okay. Maybe. Maybe let's make this one R rated, you know. I don't know. Um, a little bit more like the violence is all very, you know, uh, touchy, not very, it's all very hands off. Like, let's not get mm. too gross in this. Like, you know, mm. I, I maybe I wanted a little bit more of a boys in here, um, mm, mm. something like that, as opposed to just the standard, you know, uh, you know, PG Marvel stuff, which I guess has made its name on. But you got mm. fucking network, guys, yeah, you can make yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Now, Siren has come in saying, uh, I haven't watched Moon Knight yet, but I think he's a perfect example of a character that needs a show over a movie. Um, and she's followed that up with, he's so complex that it needs the slow burn to get the background plot across. I think that's absolutely right. Um, I think if they were going to try and do and deliver the, a pantheon of Egyptian gods, multiple personalities in a movie, that would be a fucking mess. So they've they've chosen the right because apparently this is just going to be a mini series. It's not going to be ongoing or anything like that. Like Hawkeye was just a mini series. I love that we are getting back to that mini series thing, and I I hope more people do use it because it is a lost art. It does give, as Siren suggests, that opportunity to do the slow burn and just go into things a little bit more. But the important thing is you do have to pull it all back together and keep some level of consistency going. I think that um, anyone who looks at Zack Snyder's Justice League and goes, oh, that's such a better movie than Justice League. Well, yeah, it's almost twice as long. Chances are it's probably going to be better because so many more story elements are explained. 
and given time. It, it would never, it, you know, if Zack Snyder went back and tried to edit and do a theatrical version of his Justice League, it we would still this, be a fucking mess. We said this at the time. It's a four-hour yeah. film. How do you squeeze? No, he was never getting three hours in that film. Hmm. You get two and a half max. See, let's see Snyder squeeze that film into two and a half hours and have it he still be anywhere mm -hmm. near as good. It wouldn't be. Um, and, and Siren goes in again, saying, perfect example is how DC treated Cyborg in Justice League. There you go. Yep. Very much. <laughs> I'm, yep. Not, I'm not objecting to the fact that, like, the Moon Knight character may deserve a, a TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, opposed, you're right. I mean, I thought we, I, remember, I think we might have had this conversation about the Eternals. It should have been a yeah a, a, a TV series because it was just so long and convoluted and just bad. Um, but well, you, you know, didn't get any chance to actually know who these characters are or care about them. Maybe yeah. an episode for each of those characters. You might have gone hmm. by the end of it, and you get the big blow off in the last episode, and you actually you spend an hour with each of these people, or you know, half mm -hmm. an hour whatever you want to make it, you would have had a little bit more love. So I'm not just objecting that this is a good way to introduce a character, but two filler episodes. And that's what these, for me, episode two and three were absolute filler. It was um, exposition dump. It was just like, okay, we set this thing up. Ooh, we've got cold feet. We need to explain it. So I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't need to explain it. As long as it's explained by the end, that's fine. You have hit us, hit us hard, hit us well in that first episode. Trust in your abilities and just let the story progress from there. You don't need to stop the whole thing to go, let me tell you what this is all about for the next 25 minutes and it's going to be boring explanation. <sighs> um, but I think we, 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 you mentioned, you hinted it before, we were entering an interesting phase mm -hmm. of the MCU because you're right, hasn't put a foot wrong mm -hmm. until now. Um, but now they're starting to come to some pretty ridiculous concepts, which is fun. Comic books are full of ridiculous concepts. Yeah. That's what they're all about. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of was thinking to myself, when they chose the original Avengers, they almost chose, and this sounds ridiculous considering how crazy the characters are, the most down-to-earth set of Marvel characters to start their universe with, you know? Yep. And could a man legitimately build an Iron Man suit? Maybe. You know, like... <laughs> And I'm then, sure yeah, Elon Musk is working on it. You know, like, you know, like it wasn't beyond the crazy realms. Of, there was no supernatural characters in there, right? Like apart from mm. Thor, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just sort of, it was, they just kind of like, you know, don't mention the war, but he's actually a living God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now we've got the Eternals, which are demigods. You got this guy who's working for a God. Um mm. It's they're starting to come up, so come against some really hard concepts in here. How do you sell, as you sort of mentioned, this guy works for a god, mm -hmm. but is he equal to an eternal? Is he stronger? Mm -hmm. Are they stronger? Like, mm -hmm. how does Conchu stand up against the big horny guy from the end of Eternals? Yeah, like who's who's better? Like, and there's like I, I can't remember if it's episode three or episode four that it happens, so I won't go into it, but Konshu does the display of power that everyone on the planet sees. So it's like, okay, so clearly they have this, a, a power capable of something equivalent to the snap. So that's what it... There is so much required reading for Marvel movies now. <laughs> It's, you're right, and so it's going to be, I assume, the intention here is to then transition Moon Knight into the films, mm -hmm. which hasn't been done yet, by the way. No one's no. So we've got to transition 
nuke, uh, discount Captain America. We've got a transition discount Hawkeye. Um, at some point, they're going to just they're going to transition dollar store Hulk, female Hulk, She Hulk. Yeah, so there's some problems with that. Um, okay. Um, so you know, we got to transition all of these, and now we got to transition discount Batman um, into <laughs> the movies somehow. Like, and what if you don't watch the show? You know, um, that's going to be an interesting challenge for Disney. Well, apparently they they came out a couple of months ago and said there's not going to be another Avengers movie. Um, so it's like okay. So it's just going to be random crossover movies to explain things like Doctor Strange having Wanda in there and having America Chavez in there and things like that. Okay, sure. But you set what, why, why have these uh, continue? You just, it's, it's just getting confusing now. <laughs> it is. Um, look, I'll, I'll probably check out the rest of it. Um, but I'm I it, I haven't loved it all to date. I'm not really excited about it. Yeah, me me neither. Honestly, um, apparently apparently uh, Siren thinks that Elon Musk has got ten Iron Man suits already, most likely, um, and that they're leading to new Avengers or young Avengers. And I don't like the the taste. Of Young Avengers on my time. Yeah, the Avengers version of the Muppet Babies. Like, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. If they did a what if episode in the style of Muppet Babies, I would love I that. would be 100% behind watching that. I would love that so much. Miss so uh, Marvel as well. You're right. This can't, Ms. Marvel, this can't Captain Marvel has to um, get me like a Wendy movie. So. Well, it it could be the improvement that um, the Miss Marvel or the Marvel franchise needs because it could be. it Marvel could be. was very meandering yeah. average. Um, I just thought that the, the trailer was made for children. So mm. um, unless they're going to start making children's films, it'd be interesting to see how they transition her into an adult storyline of some kind. Well, they can um, use the magic railroad. I could well bring back Diesel Tan. That's what I say. The villain, the villain, the villain, the MCU's been waiting for since that must <laughs> Diesel Tan. <laughs> um, God. can I can I just give, do a couple, give a roundup on a couple other TV things that have been going yes, on before please, we have our please. sponsor break? Mm. Um, if for those who are regular viewers. Mm-hmm. Might have been familiar with the idea that um, stuff that before we sort of took our little break, um, we I was watching in particular the Apple series Severance. Um, mm-hmm. Several episodes were directed by Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. uh, even star Christopher Walken, John Turturro, um, that other guy from Mark's Hearts and Rec, whose name I can never remember. Um, so, um, but. I, I, where I think my concern was was around whether they would stick for landing. Like the the idea being that the the premise of the show was people go undergo a surgery, they have a chip installed in their brain that basically means they they separate themselves, their work self from their out of work self. So mm. when you go to work, you can't remember who you are in the outside world and what's going on. And when you leave work, you can't remember what you did at work or who you are at work or what you do. So it almost splits a person into two separate entities, their work self and their, their non-work self, or as they call it in the show, their innie and their outie. 
Uh, um, <laughs> I'm a child. Yes, Adam Scott was the actor I was thinking of. Adam Scott. Way. Okay, yeah. Um, and that was an interesting premise, and there was a whole lot of mystery set up around, you know, uh, how it worked, and you know, were they going to be able to figure out what was going on in their innies and their outies? Um, one of the key characters in the show was Helly, played by Britt Lower, who. I think he's a bit of a newcomer. I've not seen her in anything before. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sort of really resistant to the idea of, you know, being in any and wanted to, wanted to quit, but her Audi wouldn't let her quit. Mm. Um, so we, I was concerned that this is going to be another lost type situation or mm-hmm. remember Wayward Pines from a few years ago, the Shyamalan thing. Season like, one, great. Well, most of it until you got to the end and you're like, Really? Really? Eggs all along? Really? Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Um, along, of course it doesn't. Um, so this one we were like, I was, uh, are they going to land it? They stuck the landing and they stuck it hard. This was a solid, okay. perfect 10. Uh, if, if we're talking gymnastics. Um, okay. It was fucking brilliant. The last episode is outstanding. And in, in classic, you know, drip feed style, we're in nine episodes and they leave you hanging and hanging and hanging through the second half of the series to get okay. to the last episode. And, and you're like, okay, the, the problem with this is, you know, you do build up a lot of tension and you can't wait to see what happens. But if you don't get it right in that last episode, mm. you leave us with a you know, Game of Thrones final season, bad taste in our mouth. We're probably not coming back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't do this. They're like they, I don't think I've seen a show stick for landing as hard as these guys did okay. for a very, 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 very long time. I can't remember the last time. It was fucking brilliant. So mm-hmm. if you are not watching Severance, you need to go down to the Hall of Mirrors, take a good hard look at yourself, and ask yourself why. You need to be watching this show. Get your mm-hmm. hands on this show. If you have Apple, if you have an iPhone, you probably got this. You know, you mm-hmm. probably get the subscription with your iPhone. Um, if you don't, torrent it like seriously get it it's that good it is the best show on television since the start of a pandemic okay okay high praise for severance there very high praise um that the season is done i will invest some time in actually uh, watch that do you know if there's going to be a season two it has been renewed for season two okay okay and it has, there is a bit of a cliffhanger as brilliant as in as breaking bad i 100 agree with shell there oh. um it's it's in the conversation like very different nowhere near as violent um <laughs> but it just like the, it has it's really philosophical like you can sit and have a conversation with someone about it for quite a while afterwards to go okay. you know, when they mean this is this really you know a reference to that um and so really without any to... spoilers for the season finale, do they kind of queue up storylines for the next season? Or... Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they kind of, they do, I don't know if they got it before the start of a show or what, it, what had happened, but mm. they did actually kind of, it is still not quite a cliffhanger, I don't think, but there's a space for okay. a story to continue in the next, in the next season. Okay. Um, Interesting. So, and it was the first time, first time, Right, uh, as I said, Ben still directed a lot of the episodes. Mm. He did not create the show. The show, um, he was creator is a guy named Dan Erickson who has basically done nothing else. Wow, so that is amazing. Like, so try this, definitely, this definitely smacks of someone who you know, if he's very, very fresh on the scene, he's had this written 
from start to finish, which is the way that any TV show or movie should be produced. Have it locked in so you know where you're going. And what a surprise. It delivered. It's a crazy idea, but it somehow it works. Yeah. <laughs> I would just like to also just quickly uh, touch on the new season of Picard. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Not yet. Um, uh, I th- again, I don't know where we were at before we stopped mm-hmm. with our last show, but I was m- mildly okay. Um, I read the show says I read the script had been rejected quite a bit until Ben Stiller picked it up. That sounds right. You know, it's not based mm-hmm. on an existing IP. Mm-hmm. Ha- it sounds kind of high concept. They're a little hard mm-hmm. to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a show about people whose brain gets separated between their work and their non-work selves. And you're like, I don't know, but that's a great easy sell. But like, it's a, bit, it's a bit like Star Wars, right? Star Wars rejected by what four studios before someone picked it up. They're like, it's too high concept, really. Um, <laughs> but Severance is everything that is right, can be right about mm. streaming world, whereas mm. Picard is everything that's wrong with streaming. Oh, so season two, same problems as season one. You started better than season one. The opening of season one was a shit show. Um, and just went downhill from there. Um, and there was one or two mildly redeeming moments at the end of a season, which were mainly fan service. Mm. Season two started like, oh, okay, this is interesting enough. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, like when, when you give me absolute garbage, like we did in the first season, it's <laughs> like, you know, not entirely garbage. Like, oh, I'm, I'm mildly impressed. You just like, you produce oh, some, some shoots of some roses that might be growing out of the out of that, of that, that compost heap that is yeah. the Star Trek franchise. Um, <laughs> and you know, they're going to a time travel thing again. You're like, yeah, okay, it's kind of been done. But after about the third episode, you start to realize, hang on a second, everything that's good about this is good because somebody else did it first. Oh, or it's a, or it's an Easter egg, or it's a callback, or it's a reference, <laughs> uh, or it just reminds you of something that they did. You know, like, um, you know, there's so much Trek to get to mm. lean on. You know, like there's all yeah. like so, so there's a whole there's a they go back in time. Basically, Picard, most of the gang from the first season, um, except for Space Legolas who gets killed. Um, um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if we've had a show where Travis is just so salty. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> they go back in time to basically the present day New York to stop something happening at the ruins of the future. Okay. Um, there's a second scene where they're on the bus, and there's a punk. I mean, I might have talked about this. There's a punk on the yes. bus with a radio playing the same song from Star Trek Four. And mm. it's the same guy from Star Trek 4. Mm. And you're like, uh, you know, I really like Star Trek 4. So, you know, um, I think like, it was a nice callback. And there were nice little callbacks throughout that because so, time travel episodes are not new in, in the Trek world, right? That's mm. It's a callback to so many other different things. You're like, you know, and there's a, the, the ball queen is one of the main characters. You're like, okay, well, you know, First Contact was a cool movie. And yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. You look at the third episode and you're like, Okay, I can you see you've kind of done the Force Awakens thing where you're kind of giving me a lot of a sugar hit of fan service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get over the, the shit taste you left in my mouth after the last season. But come on, make with make with a protein, man. Like you know, like 
you can't just have dessert. Like, you know, when you went to Sizzler, man, you couldn't just get a bowl of ice cream. You had to have something to eat first. Like, <laughs> if you're going to starve your ice cream, you got to get to the potato skins eventually, right? Like, um, there's, there's no protein in this. Like, there's nothing new. All the new ideas that they bring up are, like, terrible or they're throwbacks to last season. So um, Soji, the actress Isa Brioni, who plays Soji. I couldn't stand her last season. She was the the worst actress. Um, And she is back in a different kind of role. And Picard's Irish Romulan maid is back in a different role. Yes, she, she is a Romulan who works for Picard who has an Irish accent. Go figure. Hey, um racially profile. <laughs> which he calls people cheeky feckers. Um <laughs> that's, 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 because that's, that's all the Irish say. <laughs> cheeky fuckers, potatoes. Like that's 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 what they all say, right? That's that's Irish. Um I think that's Irish. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes, it um, is. You be potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get cancelled one day, we really it's so it, it, it was the first, when you get to that point, you're like, okay, there's no protein, there's no meat in this bone. Mm. You're like, oh, is the sugar hit gonna keep me through to the end of the series? No, because the sugar hit goes away. And like, okay, we've given them a little bit of what we think they want. Now let's bring back the shit ideas we had from last season. And no, it's just it's no, it just gets horrible. I think I got halfway through episode five now, and I've gone, that's it, <laughs> I'm out. You had okay. your chance, like you, you, you know, you really had no patience at the start of his series, and they kind of go, "Me, baby, give me a little bit of hope. It's not terrible." And you're like, "Actually, it's even worse than you thought it was." There's a song in one of the episodes. It's just no. Uh, sorry, Is if you're that, if you're like hanging on, going like a musical number. Alison Peel has a song, I think, in one of the episodes. From what I recall, I tried to black it out of my memory. I really did. Okay. Um. Well, she was in Scott Pilgrim, so there's a connection. Yeah, uh, if Sex really Bomb fishing. made, I'm really fishing. Uh, if Sex Bomb had a, a a cameo in this, that could only be. Um, <laughs> could be that's that's how they stop Q. They pump out the Ramona song. <laughs> What's it? So Q is a main a key character in this, and that was like one of its selling points. Oh, we brought mm. Q back, and you're like, yeah, okay. Cool, but have you got anything new? Have you got anything I haven't seen before? Because isn't know? he basically just doing the same shit that he was doing it's in the, the show as well? As last time, it's the same yeah. shtick. I mean, maybe it was a twist in the tail, but like at the end of the season, I don't know. I mm. very unlikely to get there at this point in time. It's it's a real shame. I don't know what Patrick Stewart saw in it. Frankly, um, I really don't. Like he he obviously was super keen. It's a season three. It's, it's ready to go. It's in the can. Um, you saw that sign, <laughs> the dollar sign. A dollar sign. Well, I mean, surely he's not short a coin, but um, it's, yeah, but he could always it, use more. He keeps adopting true. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> dogs ain't pay for themselves. Exactly. Uh, oh, you so just wrap it up. People know how I feel about you know Kirkman mm. and his work on on Trek. It's it's not what it used to be. It's a damn shame. Yeah. All right. Now, before we go to our uh, thing, I'll just finish off my little bit of TV as well. So I, as we are rapidly approaching the finale of the Attack on Titan anime series, I have been watching that. I have watched season one 
and I'm about three quarters of the way through season two. For those who do not know, Dak on Titan is after his hometown is destroyed and his mother is killed, young Eren Jaeger vows to cleanse the earth of the giant humanoid titans that have brought humanity to the brink of existence. Now, this is um, kind of a quintessential anime in so many ways where it sets you up in the middle of the action, which is a great place to start because you just get straight into the action. And within the first two episodes, you've got fucking shit going everywhere everything's going on but in typical anime style there's like we're not going to explain anything until later on and so you just there you're just taking this ride and it is really really interesting world that is created for attack on titan it is based on the manga series which has i believe now finished i think that's finished and then now they're finishing up the series um the animation is gorgeous. Um, the uh, story work is really, really good. They've got some really interesting uh, concepts that they're playing with socially and um, just narrative storytelling-wise as well. The story does jump from uh, from here to there a bit, and there's but the basic premise is that mankind, or at least the vast majority of mankind, has been has had to go back behind these like 120 foot tall walls and they're broken down into there's three main walls of this civilization and people just live in them and there are different divisions of the military that go out to get resources to try and learn more about these titan creatures and such and such as and um you very quickly kind of learn that Aaron is unique in this world, I might say why, in case you're interested, but it's kind of obvious because it's an anime and there is no such thing as a very normal person in any anime. They are always going to be different. <laughs> but um, it's kind of interesting because it deals with a lot more harsh stuff very quickly. Self-harm, suicide, murder, death, um, the finality of life. And these are <clears throat> very big things to, to talk about, particularly in a genre which is typically not, not exclusive and not purposeful, but typically a younger audience. So the idea of displaying self-harm in an animated show, you would not see that in Western culture. And you can understand the argument why. But at the same time, I think it is um, the conversations that happen around it in the show are very interesting and compelling. And it does actually play with those themes in a very interesting way that is informative, but at the same time offering reason and rationale behind it. So I think it's kind of an important show for that, for not necessarily young, young kids, because it is very violent and very bloody and it is hard-hitting topic. But it's great that we do have this area where animation is being treated with respect. Let me take an example of this. Um, the Legend of Vox Machina came out. Travis and I both watched it. The way you, you watched a little bit of it at the very least. And it wasn't your thing. It was not your genre of storytelling. Well, my and... it was a fan service. It assumed a level of knowledge from a show... The podcast yeah. that 
I didn't have. And even then, it was sort of like they were very angling towards that R racing with a lot of swearing and vulgarity and, and violence and things like that. But the actual kind of content of the story was not as visceral by a country fucking mile to something like Attack on Titan, which has got universally a bigger audience base. And so I do really genuinely appreciate them. We've said it before on that, that Pixar conversation of catering for the adult and the child at the same time. This does that, but it actually doesn't, it tries not to actually have those gaps of this is the adult bit that you'll get and this is the child bit because it is all in your face. Um, the There's a little bit of fan service stuff in there, um, but it's not much. But at the same time, there's a lot of adults conversation and the there's a lot of conversation about the greater good, so to speak, of um, what is best for society versus what is best for the self and can you help society if you do not first help yourself? And these are all very, very important things, especially after the lockdown that we've had. So I'm very invested in this as a as a writer, as a narrative telling of the story. I do find that there is um, a bit of filler and the story deviates, but I am not going to judge anyone for that because I do that in every conversation I've ever had and every story I've ever written and ever will do. <laughs> um, but it's still every filler episode just explains the world better if that makes any sense so i'm assuming this has nothing to do with titan ae by the way right? no confused yeah no definitely not titan ae is about a, um, a planet restarting ship this is attack on titan which is it chronicles essentially the re-rising and the mankind for hundreds and hundreds of years has been on the defense and it's been a hundred years since the Titans last attacked their citadel. And we meet the story at the start of an attack. First one in a hundred years. And we follow the young generation who witnessed this horrific attack and how it affects them going forwards and how they want to live, survive. Do they want to be birds in a cage behind these safe walls or do they want to reclaim their freedom? And it's really good. So the good things that you've heard about this show, I can entirely understand why. This oh, is I've not heard anything good about it. <laughs> I just keep seeing the name Titan and I go, Titan A.E., but I know a lot of people really enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And if you've got Funimation, it is all on there. They have got the, the dubbed version if you don't want to just read it. Um, the quality of the dub after you've watched the subversion, it's not as good as is usually the case. But um, if you're lazy, it's still a very good alternative. So, yeah, I just wanted to say a little bit about no, I, 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 we, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are interested in hmm. um, your Japanese uh, anime content. Hmm. Now, are we going to go for a break now? For a quick sponsor break. So, <laughs> as, you know, we got to get it in. Mm -hmm. um, and Otherwise, they'll get annoyed. <laughs> yes yes i think yes, we're going to be crossing live now to london for the world disco finals um oh, so, uh it's you know I, I think it's when when you talk about global sporting contests there are mm -hmm. this is near the top 
Yep, English disco. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, it's the World Disco Championships. The world, I tells you. Ladies and gentlemen, London welcomes the world's top disco dancers. Cyprus, Portugal, Singapore, South Africa, Trinidad and Tobago, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, Thailand, Southern Cyprus, United Kingdom, USA. That's enough of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I told you it was a global event. Look, even Hong Kong were represented. They're not even a real country, and they never were. <laughs> we accept Chinese sponsorship on the show, yes. Um, <laughs> now, let me get me started on Taiwan. No, um, now then, how? where are we going to go next? Because I have got some gaming conversation to have. Well, let's try and tie up our normal content. Have you mm. seen No Time to Die? Of course I have. Yes, I'm British. British, right. Um, <laughs> so this is the... Well, I finally got around to seeing this. I was hanging on to it for a long time. Of course, it sat in the shelf for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, this is the far latest and final mm -hmm. Daniel Craig helmed James Bond. Yes, um, yes, it is. James Bond has left active service. His piece is short-lived when Felix Leiter... An old friend from the CIA turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology, as per usual. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the, I don't know if this is the longest Bond ever, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. This is two hours and 43 minutes. It is, of course, starring 
Daniel Craig. We have uh, Ana de Armas briefly. Leia Sedu. Rami Malek is our bad guy. Ray Fiennes is back. Naomi Harris. Jeffrey Wright. Lashana Lynch. Ben Wishaw. Rory Kinnear. Christoph Waltz. It's a good cast. Much too long. Yeah. No one film ever needs to be this long. Apparently, Daniel Craig had his hands all over this and really mm. wanted this to be, you know, a bit of an epic to go out on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, fair enough. I mean, I think he might have worked on some rewrites or something. It is directed by Corey Joji Fukunaga. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Most famous for um, the the TV show that he did with Woody Harrelson and... Um, True Detective? Yeah. And, of course, the documentary film Beasts of uh, No Nation. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. So mainly known as a documentary filmmaker, so... Kind of an interesting. I think originally it was going to be Sam. Man- no, that was going to be um, Guy Ritchie. I think originally he was going to direct this. There was talk um, about this, yeah. yeah. I think he was the initial director, but that didn't hmm. go very well. And that's, that would have been an interesting thing. Cockney James Bond, eh? Um, <laughs> uh, this is a. This isn't as bad as I thought it would be. I don't know. Are you a big Bond fan? I know you are British, but I enjoy Bond um, for what it is, but I feel like it's overall lost any identity that it once had. Um, but at the same time, there have never been more action movies in the world, and it seems like whilst I do appreciate what kind of Sam Mend the the Daniel Craig era of Bond tried to do of having more of a narrative story going through it and it not just being a, an excuse for stunts and sexy women, um, they tried to get more of a narrative story in there. It still was uncomfortably balancing on a line that I don't think it really belongs on. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a dumb action movie. There's nothing wrong with that. If you do that well, then it's great. Um, they, like, even even the worst of Daniel Craig's songs, which was Quantum of Solace, yeah. it's not awful. It's just like, okay, it's vastly underwritten and it's it's trying to do, do too much and at the same time it ends up not doing enough of anything. Um, no Time to Die has a, it is officially the longest Bond movie. And it tries to just put in so much more reference to all of the other Bond movies as well. And even having that little nod to um, on His Majesty's Secret Service with We Have All the Time in the World playing. It's like, okay, this is a big fanfare to, to Bond but at the same time, you, what are you doing? I don't really know what you're doing. See, I didn't even pick up on that. I'm not a Bond super fan by any stretch of your imagination. <laughs> and this is deeply, deeply unpopular opinion I'm about to share right now. But my favourite Bond is Pierce Brosnan. Um, I grew up with Roger Moore, uh, Roger Moore films, but they're kind of a bit goofy. Um, yep. but I <laughs> like them with nipples era and like the, you think of like with, like with stunts and stuff like that. i used to read my favorite was the man of the golden gun it's pretty pretty goofy film when you look mm-hmm. at it now um christopher lee it's christopher lee was a great bad guy by the way mm-hmm. but yep. he always was it's christopher fucking lee i love the irony of christopher lee as well because he, yeah, he knew um, Bond. yeah he actually knew uh ian fleming and shit yeah. like and yeah. so he was actually awesome. and like he actually was a spy in the war or yeah. something 
Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I like the Pierce Brosnan films because they feel like they understood. Like I know they're unpopular and they're unfashionable now, and maybe you couldn't make those films now, but they understood what Bond was. And mm-hmm. That was action, pretty mm-hmm. girls, mm-hmm. bad puns, mm-hmm. and a guy in a suit drinking martinis. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, before Christmas only came once a year, you know, like, I, knew um, I can say that it's the worst pun. I know, I really enjoy those puns. Like, I love the dad jokes. It's like, <laughs> um, but I don't know, I think he was suave and cool, you know, mm. and unflappable. Um, yeah. you know, whereas Daniel Craig, I didn't think had any of those sort of features necessarily. He's kind of a badass, he's almost Jason Bond as reborn as James Bond. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say I think he's a bad Bonder at all. I mean, like I said, I'm hardly an aficionado. Um, but I like most of a Bond film. I really like Casino Royale. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought, I know everyone loves Skyfall. I was a bit like, eh, you know, turning to Home Alone at the end. Like, um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Is it, did Kevin McAllister grow up to be? Um, Who do you think trained Bond? <laughs> but yeah this one yeah i think you're right it's got a lot, a lot going on in here so but mm. said i didn't I said i was really worried it was going to be pretty average like the um the lashona lynch character i don't like her as an actor very much and i can't understand why maybe it was just because she was in captain marvel and i really didn't like that film much but <laughs> i kind of the trailers kind of made her look kind of smug and arrogant and like she was going to be sort of yeah, cutting Bond off at the knees here, but that's not really what happens. Mm. Um, you yeah. know, uh, she's sort of, she is 007. Mm-hmm. Um, he's retired, so she's taken over the number, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's cool. It's totally something that would make sense today. You would mm-hmm. have, yeah. Um, you know, uh, female spies and female 007 agents, and you probably would just give her, she's the best, and you would give her the number kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was pleased that she actually turned out to be quite a, a uh, an interesting ally for Bond and their relationship. Mm. I actually quite enjoyed how their sort of aggro relationship mm. morphed and evolved into one of, you know, mutual respect and, you know, working together for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The standout of this film for me was Anna de Armas. She was magnificent yes. in her 10 minutes on screen as, mm-hmm. I guess, a traditional Bond girl, really. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the psychic who's... You know, almost his fixer in a particular country in mm-hmm. Cuba, in this instance, and Anna de Armas is Cuban. So that was a nice um, synergy. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think of like um, some of Harley Berry's character, go back to what was that? Um, was it, one of the Pierce Brosnan films. Uh, it was the one with the fucking idiot with the diamonds in. Oh, um, is it um, the, the Die Another Day? Die Another Day, yes. Thank you. Oh, with um, the fucking awful. Madonna song. Um, Madonna song. Oh, so bad. Uh, it wasn't the best Bond song ever. Um, <laughs> but I thought she was wonderful in this. She mm-hmm. instantly lit up the screen and she was such an interesting and fun and upbeat character. And I'm not here saying like she was like wearing a bikini like um, Ursula Andrus coming out of the ocean in Dr. No or anything like that. It wasn't some, you know, um, you know Holly, uh, Holly Goodhead or whatever of her stupid names they used to give them back in the 70s. Um, Sassy McBally pants, you know, like <laughs> I love the vagina, um, <laughs> octopusy, uh, you know. So, but she she actually kicks ass, holds her mm. own, at the same time as being upbeat and fun and exciting mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. engaging to watch. Like, 
And apparently she got the gig because Daniel Craig recommended her after working in Knives Out, which she was amazing in Knives Out. And like, I'm, yes. I'm super keen. I assume she's in the sequel. Hope so. Um, so um, that was a, re- I was like, oh, she's gone. And we stuck mm-hmm. with bloody boring Leia Sadu. I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong. I'm apologizing. But like, her character was really uninteresting. Mm. And the real letdown for me was Remy Malik. Like, yeah. Remy Malik's a great actor. Like, I loved, yeah. I really, really enjoyed Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was amazing as Freddie Mercury in, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it's a bit of a leap from that to playing a Bond villain, but he is a fantastic actor and there's a lot of potential in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially after they got Christoph Waltz and fucked it up, Inspector, like, how do you fuck up? Christopher Waltz playing Blofeld. Great choice. Terribly mm-hmm. written. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got both of them in this. You've got Blofeld again in this one, and they fucked it up. And Ray yeah. Miller just seems really in, anemic and underdeveloped, and, like, his motivations are murky. I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing necessarily, and I don't care. Well, that, that's the problem. They they were trying to set up um, uh, Christopher Waltz's Blofeld to be, like, the Bond version of Thanos, and they failed because when you finally meet him, it's like this unassuming man, which is what Blofeld is kind of supposed to be, and that's how he can get away with things. He's um, he's a smart man who is the opposite to Bond, who is particularly in the Daniel Craig verse, he is this tank of a guy that can run through walls and just keep on going. It doesn't matter if he gets blown up seven times and shot, he's just going to keep on going. And so having the villain be in the polar opposite, I approve of that because we've seen the problem of having the same, just the bad version in most Marvel movies where it's like hero, negative version of hero, and it's boring. But you have to write the compelling story for the villain. And they just skirted over the line with Blofeld, but... Remy Malik's character, who um, what, what's his name? Uh, Lucifer Sahin. He is boring. I'm sure there's there's interesting story behind it, and you get little inklings of it, but nothing to kind of make you empathize with him or why he's doing anything, and therefore cause conflict in yourself when he is put in juxtaposition with Bond. Um, and him kind of, in, even in the trailer, they have the line of his saying, um, you and I are very much alike. I can do things you can't. I can actually save this world. And he's like, okay, put me in his point of view. Get me to understand. And then I'm invested. They don't. Yeah, I, I'm, I may be saying it, making it sound a bit worse than it really is. Like, it's not, it's actually fine. It's fine. I had a reasonably good time of two and a half hours. Yeah. I said, if you tuck, tuck 20 minutes out of this, 20 minutes, half an hour out of it, it would have been a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did overstay its welcome. Um, I just, it just felt like when you stretch your product over two hours, 43 minutes, all of those holes become a lot more obvious with mm-hmm. you know, a lousy villain, you know, um, an uninteresting you know, female lead, you know, mm-hmm. um, just not really a great story at the heart yeah. of it. So yeah. you're born becoming a father. I guess that's kind of interesting if you're a Bond fan. It's a fairly standard plot device. So it was good enough. It just, yeah, what, it could have been better. 
What I kind of would have liked is if they had gone really realistic with the father thing and him just kind of go, well, yeah, I've slept around a lot. I'm not surprised that I have a kid. <laughs> maybe maybe I could have gone with the uh, the uh, coming to America 2 angle where all of a sudden he rolls up and he's got a kid and they've, oh, they've got to do a job together and it's a wacky, zany adventure. Um, you know, they could have cast someone like Seth, uh, Seth Rogen as, as yeah, James Bond Jr. as like a, you know, a stoner in his mid-30s and like, ah, oh, you know, what's he going to do with his dad? You know. <laughs> A bond bunting. He's just like got this baby there. It's it writes itself, but no. Look, I mean, uh, it's a, maybe I'm being a bit hard. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do next with it. I mean, apparently they're going to reboot the whole thing. Um, that seems to be a word in the street. Uh, who would you like to see as the next bond? Have you got a thought? I don't care. I come really on, you can, you can not care, but still have a thought, though, right? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that people are kind of saying. Oh, it could be Killian Murphy which would be a very interesting choice because it's definitely not the sort of thing that Killian has done before. Uh, your typical Bond-style movie, um, he would be an interesting choice. But I, I, the, the more important role of Bond that I want to see change is the writing team, Neil Purvis, and uh, what's his writing partner's name? Uh, Robert Wade. They have been custodians of the bond stories for fucking decades now they need to go and just get some fresh blood in there and just go okay you know what let's let's do something else and you know they, never... they, they got phoebe waller breaching to, to punch the script up so mm -hmm. that's something it'll be interesting to see if and how the purchase of bond by amazon will affect it because amazon um, with a lot of their products, they like to push different envelopes and things like that. So maybe they're going to try and do something there in the Bond franchise. Maybe they are going to do a gender swap and have a female Bond, actually. Or maybe they're going to have go really different and have someone who's non-binary or something like that. It could. There's there's a lot of. Oh, I don't look. That would take a pair of balls. That I just don't think. That I don't think the people at Amazon have that in them. Frankly. I honestly think that there is more chance of having someone who is bisexual as Bond and openly bisexual than there is of having them straight and gay, because they can just and if the 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 coin counters can go. Oh well, we'll we'll make sure that we show Bond having sex with women fifty four percent of the time versus forty eight percent of the time with you know <laughs> romantic connection with a man. It's like no, come on, just fucking represent um, I, you know what if they can get it if you can if you can write the story for it i would be down for either one of those things my personal choice mm. is uh is a real left field one as well by the way killing murphy almost played batman did you know that he was almost mm. as bad so he could have been an actor star <laughs> um but um i read a story recently that said that the favorite for the new doctor who mm. was richard ao80 and I think he would be an exceptional choice who they will not choose because they've got no idea what they're doing with that franchise. But I think to myself, he's going to be free because he's not going to be the next James Bond. They're going to pick someone terrible. That's what they do. Um, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying Richard, Richard Aoedi for Doctor Who? Or no, James I'm saying he's not going to get Doctor Who. Oh, okay, okay. So he should definitely be the next James Bond because who wouldn't want to see Moss as James Bond? I would think that would be amazing, but 
I don't think Richard Ayoade would get either of those roles purely because he is very anxious as a person. And as Doctor Who, he would have a lot of fans. And as James Bond, he would have a lot of attention on him in that because be like, nope. I can see half a chance of him playing Doctor Who because at least that's a British production. You know, like an you know, Amazon owned that. And that's like, it's not exactly a global mega franchise like Bond is. So, you know, you're not going to give a global mega franchise to some guy who is nobody. Really, uh, and like, yes, I, I think that there's more chance of them getting Richard Ayoade to direct the next Bond than there is of him being Bond. Be down to that as well. Be down to yeah, that as well. Be, but I mean, uh, I think they're going to go with someone safe. Mm-hmm. That's probably what they'll do. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom I Hardy. think it's it's, it's going to be um, you know Tom Hardy is in there. It's probably going to end up being Chris Pratt. Oh, because <laughs> he's just in everything. Um, it's a media james bond you know what i would genuinely like if they don't do anything about the gender or sexuality of james bond if they go just old like do an old man bond story even even just one that would just be interesting they don't need to i would much prefer to see that than going, oh, let's just do an origin story of James Bond, which goes into his young childhood as he's going through the training to become an MI6 agent. It's like, no, I don't care if I, about that. Really don't. Doesn't matter because that's that's not the interesting part. You would have to force feed so much of Blofeld's story into there and seed little tiny bits of, oh, this organization eventually becomes Spectre or this this guy eventually becomes Jaws and things like that. It would just be filled with bullshit. It wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be, there would be no point to it. So what you're saying is we need a James Bond babies series. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing a gag. I'm just curious. Like, oh, no. I would. I would, I would yeah. like to see someone like Idris Elba. He'd be kind of cool. Shall Donald, Donald Trump is James Bond. He'll just grab him. <laughs> I had the best gadgets. I have all the gadgets. You don't even know. Everybody's seeing. They're fantastic. They're amazing. People are seeing it all the time. You know what, Blofeld? You're not going to push the button. I'm going to push the button. You've got fake bombs. Those are fake bombs. Um, it it would be just him talking shit for two hours and you know him just going to the bad guys uh, places and going you know what this isn't as good as Mar-a-Lago no (laughs) no (laughs) you know maybe we're kind of lucky we didn't get a James Bond uh, sorry a Donald Trump-esque villain he's a very popular choice for the bad guy these days Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anyway that was my thought like I said it wasn't great it wasn't Mm -hmm. terrible it just needed it would have been a lot better if it had been shorter and more Anna the Armas, please. Mm-hmm. More, yep. just give us more. She's a wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. You've got some gaming news, I think you said. I do, yeah. So I have finally got around. Care of Siren Divine putting a challenge down to me, and I um, downloaded Mass Effect Legendary Edition on Game Pass. Uh, so you're playing this on Xbox? Mm-hmm. Yep. Xbox uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, you get access to EA Access, and it is free to download there. You get Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. And I've never played these games before, but they are kind of legendary in the gaming world. There's some of the best um, Western RPG narrative storytelling interweaving of one, one game to the next to the next with 
consequences and repercussions. And so this is a this is a big undertaking uh, time wise. And I'll tell you something. Much like um, the GTA trilogy remastering that came out a few months ago, it's hard going back to these older games. Not necessarily because of the quality of the game or the quality of the graphics or anything like that, but the controls, particularly the controls. And it is hard to go back to those things when things have just become more standardized and you expect to be able to do this or that. It's like going back to the um, the Halo um, Halo 1 and there not being a run button. It's like, what the fuck? This is a first-person shooter. Where's my sprint button? Come on. It feels weird. It feels hard. It feels old. And therefore, it takes away the entertainment. However, so far, I'm about 16 hours into Mass Effect 1. And while there are a few odd glitches, they have done a bit of a bit of a facelift to, to the graphics for this Legendary Edition. Um, it's still really quite a compelling story and really open. And um, there are a couple of bits where... Um, I was, there's a character called Rex in it. Have you played this game at all? No, never played it. Yeah. So there's a character called Rex in it. And he's this, this kind of like um, turtle-ish kind of alien creature in this big suit. And he's really gruff and he's, he's kind of cool, but he's got a bit of an attitude and he's, you know, he would be a perfect space substitute for Raphael if they ever did Turtles in Space. Don't um, give them ideas. I'm just no, putting shit out there. You've given them plenty of terrible ideas. Um, and because of the conversations that I had with him and with other people and the reactions, there was a situation in the story where it was like, oh, fuck. Well, I didn't want him to die. <laughs> and there was, there was no way around it. There was different ways of how I could end up killing him. Um, but it was like I didn't want him to die, <laughs> that, and it felt weird. It felt wrong because I said, "Like, I'm, all right, I'm going to invest some time into, to you know, leveling him up and making him cool, and he's always part of my team. He's that the the second to my first, and then change out the third. And suddenly it's like, all right. And then because of that action later on in the story, the person who ended up killing him for me. I was in a situation where I had to choose who I was going to save between them or this other person. And I chose the other person purely because that person killed Rex in the game. And that was just me conscientious as the player making that choice. So like, yeah, you killed the character I like, so you're dead. <laughs> and it's really fascinating, really interesting. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm heading towards the end game, but there's lots of side stuff to do. Um, Apparently, it's like an average of about 40-hour playthrough if you want to go through and do most of the mini-games and the mini-quests mini and that sort of stuff. Some of them are really fucking boring. Like, just, oh, go and survey these planets for these, these things and get experience. It's like, okay, that's really boring. I don't want to do that. And it doesn't explain a lot, like the use of powers and things like that. You have to trial and error quite a bit, um, which is something that I've noticed in a few games, like um, Elden Ring. I was playing that before I went on holiday, and that doesn't really teach you anything either. It's very basic, but if you want to actually 
use your equipment and fine tune it and just sort of like game the system as much as you can, you either have to go to the wiki or spend lots of time just really trial and erroring stuff. And I'm not into that. I'm into the story. So it's, it's a barrier, but the story is interesting. It's compelling. It's driving me forwards. I'm looking forward to finishing this so I can get on with part two and part three. But yeah, I just wanted to touch base with that one because I haven't, I've never played this legendary game series. It's and, a shame that there aren't more games like that. I remember going back a long time now, but if you go back mm, to something like um, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, going back a exactly. long time now, yeah, those were what I loved about those games. You did some shit at the mm-hmm. start of the game, running mm-hmm. and caused some problems somewhere, or you, you fucked up a mission. Mm-hmm. Fucked up a mission somewhere. And I remember it was a particular mission. It might have been the second one where you, um, it was an under, underwater mission somewhere. You fucked it up and you, and, you, know, you didn't succeed. All of a sudden, back to supplies, which was the healing stuff, like the healing packs all over the galaxy. We can't, because that was the, the main supply of Bacta was in that underwater mine mm. or whatever. And everywhere you went after that, the price of the healing packs went up by like, you know, 100% because all of a sudden the stuff they made it with was in super short supply because you fucked up. That's that's exactly. And, and funny how you say that because it's the same team. The same guys that made Knights of the Old Republic went on to make Mass Effect. Um, so the fact that they are doing a remastering of Knights of the Old Republic, at least for PlayStation, I don't know if it's coming to Xbox. I think it might be a timed exclusive or something. I really want to go back and play that game because that was fucking amazing when it first came out. I know I played it. I can play it on my phone on <laughs> two occasions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the controls are horrible on a phone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that might be part of a remaster, might be like, you know, remapping yeah. and doing the controls. So it's a little bit more fun to play. Mm. Um, you say the controls, it's a hard thing for the older games. But mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. of that, they just don't make games like that anymore. Like with that kind of depth in a role playing game. I just remember the first one where, like, I remember picking it up from the shop and not really knowing anything about it. Mm. And then when you get to that point, sorry, spoilers, it is a you know 18-year-old game or something. <laughs> when you figure out you're not just some pleb on a spaceship, you're a fucking Jedi. Yeah. And I can have a lightsaber? Fuck yeah. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That's one of those singular moments in gaming that I can remember having. It's like there are so few. So mm. um, I don't know. They, they don't make Mass Effect games anymore. Have they ever done with it now? Right? Um, well, they did. One, two, and three. They did Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, it didn't go well. It's largely because EA want to do things quick and easy, and they've got their, uh, I can't remember what the name of their engine is. Oh, it's the Frostbite engine. And it's what they use to develop and farm out FIFA games every year quickly and make the graphics look pretty. They use the same game engine for everything at EA, or they've tried to. Um, And it caused massive problems for Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, a lot of animation is a, a program, a, a graphics program that is not designed for an RPG game. And so they had lots of, lots of problems with it and they were forced to push it out and there was a lot of issues. But apparently they are making a, an official Mass Effect 4 at some point. But they also, EA have had a lot of problems and there's still rumors that people are going to buy them, um, be one of the, either Sony or Microsoft or someone. And their last big EA success was um, uh, the uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, 
which was created by Respawn Entertainment that did Titanfall 2, which was an amazing game. And they were on such good good standing that they said, nope, we're using our own game engine. And stranger as it may seem, it was a success. So it seems like the use Frostbite has ended for EA and people can use their own game engines. So hopefully we'll start seeing some quality rising back up again. But yeah, um, otherwise that that kind of, but it's that, I didn't feel like in the moments when I'm having those conversation trees, most of them didn't feel like they were leading to these monumental mo character moments and character effects and world universe changing moments. And that's brilliant because so often it's sort of like, in when games do try and do it, it's really heavily emphasized. This is your last opportunity to do this, blah, 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 blah. And you can really feel it. And it's like, you feel the story trying to push you in one way or another. Whereas this, it's just like, okay, you know what? I actually missed half of that conversation. So it's so great, <laughs> so great being able to make your own decisions. Like again, to go back to KOTOR, I just remember being able to go, but games don't do the um, reputation thing anymore. Remember, reputation mm -hmm. was a thing, and I don't know if it's a thing in Mass Effect, it was a thing in some of the Fallout games, but being able to make yourself a Dark Jedi and going, you know mm -hmm. what, I'm going to manipulate everyone around me. And then the bank gang is going, cool, there's consequences. Yeah. You know, but yeah. cool, right? Um, uh, like you made go for it. We've we've accounted for that. Um, Fable had kind of the, the most recent famous example of that i think where your character would either start developing a halo or kind of horns depending and the townspeople as you walk in would be scared of you and things like that and you could threaten people better but even then it's like okay that's cool in the instant but in kotor having that the 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 tank issue come up it's like that's amazing because that had nothing to do with the story but it enriched the world or I remember as a character, one of the great moments in that you, as a, as a party member, I don't know if you remember, you get a, a Wookiee. You save a Wookiee's life. And so that Wookiee has a life debt to you, which means they're mm. dedicated to you and they will fight alongside you because you saved their life. It's part of their code thing. Mm. But he and the Wookiee and his best friend join your party. But if mm. you're an evil Jedi at the end of that game, spoiler alert again, you can basically get to the point where you order the Wookiee to kill his best friend. And you can just see, obviously, you know, this is an incredible character moment. You've been fighting alongside these people now for, you know, several hours in the game. And like to have a Wookiee, you have a Wookiee's, you know, he's got his, his, his honor, system of honor that he owes you his life and he has to follow you now and do what you say. But this is his best friend and singing, asking him to kill his best friend is the most evil thing I can think of to do. But really on point for a sith right mm -hmm. um, so, uh, i'm sorry i haven't played mass effect but it's like i must say um those sort of games i really miss being able to play mm -hmm. where little decisions can have massive mm -hmm. consequences down the track have a mass effect boom boom, boom. um yeah in the uh, going on to the, uh, that system there's a, a paragon and renegade system that's in play in mass effect where when you do good things you get that bad things the negative i haven't really seen or felt that particularly affect my playthrough so i don't know if it's just one of those things at the end where it's like okay you were good well done here have a cookie <laughs> or whatever 
Um, I know that a lot of people do play through and just go, oh, I'm just going full Renegade this time or full Paragon. And I don't know what effect that has. I don't know if I would want to go through the game again because I feel like with with these stories, it's like, all right, I'm making the des- decisions and the choices that I want to make in the moment. Yeah, there is that kind of side of, all right, well, what if I did that instead of this? But it's like mm, 25, 30 hours just to see that result. That's a lot of time. <laughs> Good call. Um, sorry, yeah. Divine. Keep sending those um, recommendations to to Justin over there. Um, Shut up, fucking asshole. <laughs> Have you got anything else this week? We were pushing two hours. Um, did you want to talk about Death on the Nile, or shall we hold? Can we park Death on the Nile quickly. Can we have five minutes? We have five minutes, people. We promise we are going away. Mm-hmm. This will end. <laughs> I promise. Come with us. Um, so we talk quickly talk about Coda. Yes, let's talk about the Oscar winner. Was, I think we just parked, we sort of went away when the Oscars happened. Um, <laughs> And you know nothing. Nothing interesting happened at the Oscars, by the way. You didn't miss anything if you didn't watch it. No. Um, nothing interesting at all. But a uh, in the second sort of year in a row, a very small independent film won uh, won Best Picture. I know. I think it's independent. It is on Apple, but I don't think it's an Apple. I don't know if they funded it. I'm not sure. But Coda uh-huh. is your Best Picture winner, Academy Award winner for the uh, for 2022. Uh, I didn't even know what Coda stood for before. Mm. So I thought it went in the word Coda, which is means mm. um, I don't even know what the word means, but I don't know it's a it's a word. Um, it's, a, it's a musical thing, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Coda as a Coda, C O D A, Child of Deaf Adults. That's what it stands for. It is an acronym. Ruby is the only hearing person in a deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing a passion at Berkeley College of Music, and her fear of abandoning her parents. Um, this is based on a French film, I think. Mm-hmm. La Femme Belliere. Excuse my French. But I'm yeah. Just, I'll be yeah. here. Yeah. Right, fart in your general direction. Yeah, Tiny brain to wipe out of other people's bottoms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we offended the French. We offended the Irish. Robert Kirkman, it just keeps going. Um, so <laughs> Amelia Jones plays Ruby, and she's mm-hmm. fucking outstanding. And she is mm-hmm. a star in the making. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I've seen her in other things. She hasn't done a whole lot. She's been lock and key. I didn't see any of that, but um, she's wonderful in this. Uh, we have Mar- the, the fabulous Academy Award winning Marley Matlin. As her mama, Jack, mother Jackie, she won an Academy Award for Children of a Lesser God back in the eighties. Uh, if you're wondering, she did not win for this. Of course, she's most famously in Seinfeld um, for a couple of episodes as Jerry's girlfriend. Okay. Um, Troy Coetzer as her dad, as Ruby's dad, Frank. He won Best Supporting Actor um, mm-hmm. this year. He is actually Marley Matlin and Troy Coetzer are actually. Um, hearing impaired, mm-hmm. a death. I don't know. If we still use the word deaf. I'm assuming we still use the word deaf. I don't know. Um, also, Daniel Durant, who plays the brother Leo, he is also um, 
he was part of the, the um what, what did i read um his uh where is it uh minnesota state school for the death death yes he's a, of the main characters you play death are mm. mm. can't do that anymore you just couldn't have a hearing actor play mm-hmm. a deaf character anymore you can't get away with that that's mm. a whole other conversation mm-hmm. um what did you make of this i thought it was great um I thought as a, like, just as a narrative story, um, it didn't do anything unexpected at all. Um, it had the typical kind of low point, high point, low point, high point outcome that I was expecting of it. But the thing that really sold it for me was the intelligent use of the cast, um, the intelligent use of sound or lack thereof, and the fact that it showed without any kind of holding back um, a, a deaf family in a waking world and showing sort of like the kind of codependency that, that was brought up in the family, the family orientation and the family conversations were the most compelling parts for me. Like the, um, the bit where, um uh, jackie tells ruby to take the earphones out because it's rude to do that at the table but it's fine for them to to play on uh, leo's phone and do tinder because they can all do that that's a family thing whereas the music is it's pointless to three quarters of the family it's like that's actually a really good point of view that makes a lot of sense i can understand that um so it was those those little moments that really excelled it and um particularly the there was the um when they actually go to the family goes to watch ruby perform and then you're hearing all the songs and then the music just fades away and everything fades away and it's just silence for like three or four minutes and it's just the family just looking around and you are experiencing this moment as as a member of the deaf community and you see them kind of just pointing out to some people who are singing along and clapping some who are crying and things like that and it's, it was just really intelligently done to fluidly go from hearing to deaf and getting that point of view across in a very intelligent way oh, i agree i don't think the film was doing anything particularly original in terms mm-hmm. of the story it's you've seen it before mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Holland's opus kind of thing, maybe less fiction on the teacher, but you know, um, you know, almost like Billy Elliot kind of stuff, you know, yeah. um, not on you, but but done competently mm. and, and effectively. The yes. real, the money, the real meat in this is actually getting that perspective of a group mm. of people you haven't thought about before. And I'll be yeah. fair, I have not thought about the, you know, you don't think about the hearing impaired community a great deal. Um, sure as hell, I didn't even know what a coder didn't even know there was a name for it, you know, mm-hmm. a coder. But when you stop and think about it, you're like, huh, that's a really rough spot to be in. So, my mm-hmm. partner comes from a non English speaking background, or her family does, I should say. Mm-hmm. She was born in Australia, so she's a native English speaker, but grew up having to translate everything or a great deal for her parents growing up. Um, so I, I, I knew she would enjoy this film because, I mean, while it's not the same thing. But there's a, isn't it? She's, you know, a, a similarity there yeah. to 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 a Ruby growing up having to basically her parents leaning on this young girl so hard to the mm-hmm. point where 
they are prepared to deny her her dream, mm-hmm. you know, to to keep her around. They're so terrified of basically losing their, you know, um, free interpreter, free free interpreter, but also their connection to the outside world. They, mm. you know, they can't really function too well without her. Mm. Um, and you note that that moment where they're sort of sitting there quietly in the in the in the theater watching her sing, but they can't hear it. So it's almost like it's almost like they're aliens. Mm. observing humans around them you know they're mm. almost a different species in a way like what's of them mean they're made to like going oh my my buttons are all wrong things <laughs> like that it's not like it's not like they not they are, it's not their fault but they're but it's the people around them it's the world who's making them feel like they're alien in this in this mm. environment and um it, it did a lot of things for me one thing that you sort of see sometimes and you know i'll put my hand up and say it's maybe in an ignorant perspective but you can find um, uh, sign language interpreters. You can videos of these people on YouTube at thrash metal concerts, hip hop concerts. In fact, I highly recommend finding the uh, interpreter doing the sign language version of Rap God by Eminem. She's a freak this one. She's incredible. <laughs> or, you know, there's videos of like Lamb of God with like sign language interpreters like doing the, like, um, <laughs> and you sort of used to think to myself sometimes, why would a deaf person go to a concert? I mean, no disrespect. We're welcome to go to a concert, but like, mm. you can't hear it. But um, when you sort of see these little scenes in the film like this, and you're like, well, we're actively excluding these people by not having interpreters there. But mm. you know, when that, that scene at the end where they have her, mm-hmm. they have the actual sign language interpreter during the singing scenes at the end, mm. um, that's actually, it's really, it's really wonderful. And you start to sort of go, huh. Okay, look, but it obviously is a level of enjoyment available. Mm. To, to actually, almost see that connection to the music when it's mm. actually d- delivered to them in a way that they can enjoy. Mm. Um, like the, um, the the kind of throwaway line of um, Ruby explaining why Frank listens to hip hop uh, because of the yeah. bass you can feel it in the car it's like that makes sense and then at the end where he just holding her throat so that he can he can feel the vibrations while she sings beautiful scene beautiful and it just i mean it just really for me reinforced it like you know i mean there's a lot of controversy these days about making things work and you know mm-hmm. there's, i think there's been some criticism of his film for being a woke choice for best picture Mm. And I, I think it's just the perfect um, demonstration uh, in a story to show people and go, this is why it's important yeah. that when we have the, the COVID briefings has been why I keep thinking of every time mm. we had a COVID briefing in Australia, they had a sign language interpreter mm-hmm. there alongside the whoever it was who was doing the conference. It's a very, mm-hmm. very minor thing. It doesn't impact anybody else, but it makes their life significantly easier and brings them into the conversation. Or if you're going to a gig, a, a concert, to have that available. I, I, you know, I don't know if they, I know they don't all have them because I, don't, I can't recall ever seeing one in Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, I recall going to, to uni with a, a deaf girl who used to have somebody provided who would actually do sign language mm. during the lectures. Um, so it's, it's a really great film, I think, to show people, mm-hmm. give people a little bit of a snippet of what it's like to be in somebody mm-hmm. else's body for five minutes. And I would yeah. recommend this alongside The Sound of Metal, the Riz Ahmed film from yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah uh, did a similar thing um, mm-hmm. to really help people start to understand a little bit of the tiniest little smidgen 
what it's like to be somebody in those shoes. It's quite interesting um, that now in my mind, there are three movies that have very intelligently used silence to elicit a response from the audience. And um, now we're at a point where this one won an Oscar. Um, Sound of Metal did it fantastically. But the, the, the one that kind of sticks in my mind and it's going to sound really stupid and really pathetic compared to the the message that sound of metal and coda are delivering it's when um uh the last jedi came out and there's that moment in the battle scene where it just goes silent in space yes and people had to put signs up to say oh no it's not the, the it's deliberate deliberate and it was that inciting incident i think that may that maybe shook people awake to realize the importance and the potency and the power of music soundtrack score and particularly silence in a movie to represent and to open up something in an emotional way so good in this i think it's a really good call i mean i think it's best known anybody who listens to the show but i wasn't the biggest fan of the last jedi mm. but that moment was as the, probably one of the greatest moments in cinema, I think. It was stunning. It was it was, it was it was an incredible moment in you know in that film, and you know, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of that choice. Mm. Uh, and a good call. You're right. It's one mm. of the really great use of silence. Yeah, and it's um, particularly important. And this movie has made me start. Um, Coda has made me think about myself. I am mildly colorblind. And I always really appreciate it when I can go into the settings on a game and click on the colorblind option. And particularly if you can choose which colorblind um, demographic you fall under, because suddenly puzzle games and things like that, and the, the heads up display on the game, I can suddenly see it. It makes more sense. It's like, oh, okay. And just that little bit of change in something that is not, it doesn't generally affect my life my my color blindness but it makes a big difference when it's when the option is there and so for someone who is hearing impaired or has another disability that makes just everyday life harder i can suddenly get by orders of magnitude understand so like wow yeah that would be amazing it, like if if every if there was one person in every shop that i worked in that could sign for example that would be phenomenal, just wonderful service for someone to be able to go in and just have a conversation about what what would be good for my son or daughter or blah, 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 and actually be able to do it rather than just hope that they can read your lips. That's, that's amazing. It, and I kind of wish I'd learned when I was a kid. Mm. I know I could probably learn now, but honestly, I don't have time. I don't have brain anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm old and my brain's full. So, <laughs> you know, um, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Yes. But if you have a chance, it's, I think it's available on the Apple streaming service. It's mm -hmm. an Apple yes. original, so I imagine it's on there. Mm -hmm. Great for kids. Really, I think a decent family film. Mm -hmm. if, this is what family films should be. Yep. Um, so if it's you're looking funny too. It is funny. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's charming. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's enlightening. It's always good things. So can't recommend it highly enough. It did deserve its award. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think we'll hold off on death and Nile so we don't get yeah. to the tooth. Um, Agreed.
Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you, Shell. Thank you, Siren Divine, for being in the chat. Do appreciate it. Don't forget, you can always um, rewatch and put into the uh, conversation there if you've got a recommendation for a movie. Don't forget, you do have to give us a reason why that is the stipulation. Otherwise, we will continue to be in the driving seat, and no one really wants that, frankly. <laughs> um, we've not got much in the uh, for next week. I don't think we'll have anything of the major new movie releases. I think we're going we're to be a week away from Doctor Strange, but yeah, maybe we, I'm sure there'll be other things we can catch up on. So yeah, I think it might actually end up just because of timing. We might end, it might end up being three weeks um, before we can actually review Doctor Strange because I think it. Early release is Wednesday, which is uh, launch I'm, night. And I'm seeing it on the 9th, so you're probably yeah. right. But maybe we can do a special strange cast. Strange uh, um, just to just to quickly talk about it, but we'll see what happens. But yeah. otherwise, I've got we've got a new season of Better Call Saul. I might mm -hmm. have had a chance to get around to watch some of that next mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. um, I will be um, making sure that I start watching uh, some Severance, and um, there'll be more Moon Knight. And I think there was another show that um, I was going to start looking at. Well, I can't remember what it was, though. <laughs> well, well, you're going to have to find, tune in next week to find out. We'll have Idle Hands. Story. Um, there'll be no Thomas the Tank Engine movies unless Siren no, another one will, to like recommend. Not. Um, so percussions for Siren. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, we will see you again next time. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Bye.